Hi, this is Dick Brusso. Welcome to the NSA PEGCAST. The National Speakers Association has many outstanding professional expert groups, also known as PEGs, providing a venue for connection, collaboration, and content. We're delighted you could be with us for this informative PEGCAST brought to you by the Consultants PEG. Enjoy. So I went full-time in 1984. The second good thing that happened at my first NSA convention, uh, Mike Frank heard me speak at a small breakout for new speakers called Speak to Me. And he came up, introduced himself, said, said, do you have a brochure? I didn't. A month later, he called me and booked me to speak to 2,000 people on the same program with Dr. Robert Shuler, the minister from Garden Grove. So getting involved in NSA and then slowly developing, I developed my skills, and this is I would recommend for everybody, any skills to do anything, I practiced a lot. I told all my hairstyling clients, I'll come speak to your, your office, your team at a staff meeting, uh, and, and so I had a lot of stage time early on, and I was very lucky. Yes, I had energy and personality, and in in the 80s and early 90s, when the speaking business was in its heyday, it really developing, there weren't very many women, and people were so excited to hear good speakers. It's, it, there wasn't as much competition. Anyway, I, I got to the point where... In the late 80s and 90s, I was delivering about 130 keynotes a year, 80% probably booked through speakers bureaus. The real turning point was when clients started telling me what other services they would like to hire me for. I was speaking for Aramark Foods. And this was the division that sold to hospitals. And the national sales manager came up and said, Patricia, I liked your speech. However, I loved how you delivered it. Could you teach our salespeople to speak that way? Because it takes us a year to be in a position to deliver an hour presentation to a hospital board. It's worth $9 million a year if we get the business. And we are losing business, not because of our offering or our price, but because the presentation skills of our competitors are better. So listening to that and slowly developing that type of expertise and offering and listening to my my clients also say, Patricia, could you help our chairman or our president with his speech? He's not a very good speaker. And as far as speech coaching, sales presentation skills training, that definitely came out of listening to my clients and delivering the expertise. Now, of course, as with all of us, they might hire us for these areas. But when we are there, our consulting hat comes on because they ask us questions and Certainly, I discovered that I had other expertise as they were asking for questions, and I found I actually knew more than I would have thought I knew to advertise as an offering. Well, Patricia, you know, you said about the heyday being in the late 80s and early 90s, I believe. Well, that was when my, well, it was certainly the heyday for professional speakers starting out. People didn't expect you to customize your message nearly as much. Now, those of us who were smart, and I really learned how to do this by being on a program with George Morrissey, and probably towards the later 90s and after 2000, that's when people really needed uh, and requested more customized programs with speeches. Okay. Well, I mentioned heyday because I don't think we're at a heyday now, except I want to ask you, with your experience and the challenging marketplace that we're in, 
how, how do you success? How do you suggest we start to do this? Increase our income with our service. Well, the realization, and I know we got some very smart, successful people listening in, so all I can do is share my own opinion and point of view and experience, and that is some of the people I partner with. One, if you have a business that has multiple, multiple offerings, I think there's more chance you're going to keep busy. And... Of course, for me, my keynote business is down, but then I spend much more of my energy and marketing on training and coaching. And frankly, the sales presentation skills part of the business is doing quite well because people who find they have less opportunities to present the company realize they have to increase their effectiveness. And once we start listening and people say, well, we're not traveling as much. We cut our traveling budget. Could you do this in webinars? And of course, there are things you can do in webinars that you can't, in other words, cut down the travel. You can't do in one-on-one -on -one coaching or training experience. But there's, it's a matter of expanding how we deliver our offerings. That would be the first thing look at, the first idea is look at how many different ways you can package your expertise. Two, combine communities and collaborate. Because when we have clients, and I think consultants much better than keynote speakers, when they have clients, they realize there are other ways, other areas that they can expand their offerings. But it gets to the point where I've taught them everything I can teach them or I need, they need more expertise than I have. Can we collaborate with someone else? I have a few different speakers and trainers and consultants who bring me in, as I'm sure they do with some of our listeners, as an adjunct to their business. So I'm not so much Patricia Fripp as much as I am such and such a company uh, affiliate executive speech coach and sales presentation skills trainer. So uh, as far as combining our communities, as far as almost being uh, part of our friends' uh, businesses, and then, of course, combining communities as far as expertise that we offer, events that we offer, or combine my mailing lists for our teleseminars, webinars, or actual hard products or downloads. For example, I've just finished a very successful uh, weekend event with three other speakers that we have a community called World Champions Edge Together. And we combine our mail lists and our communities and promotion and, and just had a very successful event that's good for all of us. Well, I've heard some buzz, uh, Fripp, about something that um, – well, no, I should ask you first before we go into this buzz, but what else can you tell us, any more that you can maybe tell us about maximizing our demand uh, for our services before I move on? Uh, well, I'm a, although I'm not naturally a techie by inclination, I have certainly become one. I believe our websites – uh, what deserves our greatest attention. A, a good website is a salesperson who works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never asks for a raise, knows exactly what we do, who we do it for, and it's, it's a matter, it is the perfect place to drive interest and to explain our services. And a good website with articles that you give away, uh, blogs, YouTube, add all the technology that is now available is the best way to, to create demand for our services. 
somebody asked in, in one of our sessions, when you finally get a meeting planner on the phone, what do you say you talk about? Well, of course, one of my other partners, Alan Weiss, that we, we have a collaboration with, once a year, we do a seminar together. And as we both agree, although we have different businesses, you are much better off promoting in a way that people reach out to you. You have a whole different relationship. So all our marketing needs to be ongoing, consistent, and relentless. You start, you don't stop. You revisit it, you refocus, and you improve. You ask yourself, when I wrote this, when I said this, when this was my focus, it might have been appropriate then. Is it appropriate for my business now? And as I've learned from Alan Weiss, you always have to have options for your clients and the next thing that I learned magnificently from Alan is how to improve my conversations when I talk to prospective clients. Good, good information. Uh, I like the, I, the, the website uh, deserving our attention day in and day out. I think that's an excellent point. Well, let's move on to the buzz. I've heard a lot of buzz about something that disgusts you, that speakers and consultants do. What is it? I am literally appalled at the sloppy language that is used on the keynote stage in our different, well, let's just say our categories of one that I think Joe Calloway does a marvelous job with on our VOE. For me, at a time when we have to sometimes perhaps justify our fee, we talk about our offerings in a sloppy way. And my big pet peeve is the word S-T-U-F-F, of which I will not say, I replace it, I call it the debris word. And and people talk about their offerings and their services as debris. Well, how can you justify your fee when you don't use specific language? Secondly, many of our audience members, English is not their first language, especially if you deal with technology companies or different states. 56% of the population in California, Spanish is the first language, not English. So if you do not use specific language, people have a job translating what you actually meant. And you might say, well, what's so important about this? And people say to me all the time, I don't do it when I'm talking to clients. I don't do it in my keynote, to which I say you're not aware of it in casual conversation. What makes you think you're even more aware of it in your presentations? That's one reason. And, and second, we should model what is the appropriate way to speak, whether a consultant or a breakout session or a seminar leader or a keynote speaker. I would encourage all of us to take any training, conversation with a client, or a keynote, record it, and have it transcribed, and read what came out of our minds. In conversation, we don't think through exactly what we're saying. We often speak out loud. But when you're taking your actual offering, a keynote, or how you would set up your webinar, or advice you would be giving your clients, it would be good to actually read what we said. And I'm sure you would advise us to, to certainly be consistent in how we speak to what, how we represent ourselves on our website or on our blog or in any other electronic means, and on paper as well. Well, well, certainly. However, what comes out of our mouths is not proofed. 
we don't always have good copywriters look at it, which we might with our website. Well, but let's go on to some more of your excellent advice giving us as consultants that edge in the challenging, of course, marketplace and also to set ourselves apart uh, to, with our competitors. All right. Well, well, let's just look at two two quick ideas, and then let's see what the uh, what our listeners would like to ask. I recommend we all look at our list of clients, and we all have them somewhere, and pick out whether it's one a day or our five favorite, and call them. And you probably leave a voicemail. You might call and say, Brian, I never get tired of telling the story about how we. Now, you fill in the blank of what you did for them that was a wild success. Would you mind telling me in your own words what your experience is? And is it okay if I use it in my, in my sales presentations or as a reference or as an example of how I serve clients? So one, what you are doing is you're hearing in your client's words how they would describe the benefit. And in our conversations or in our presentations, when we talk about our, the consulting part of our business, you could turn it into stories because when you're speaking as part of a seminar or a keynote and you give an example of another part of your business, as long as you are actually quoting the client's words, you can say almost anything about yourself. So that, that's one thing. The very fact that you are keeping in touch with your clients, it has never ceased to amaze me how often I'll just call clients for something else and it reminds them, oh, we've been meaning to talk to you. And this worked with me. One of my uh, PR professionals had called me really just to check in how you do. And I was talking about you the other day. And I said, Trish, I've just been thinking about you. It's time we started another project. And she said, oh, I've got calling to look for business. And she genuinely wasn't. But this is the fripicism. It's not your client or prospect's job to remember you. It is your obligation and responsibility to make sure they don't have the chance to forget you. And with your best clients, if you just, even if you just want to say, hey, I'm just wishing you well, uh, was thinking of you, uh, know you love the movies, hope you enjoyed the Academy Awards. I mean, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be about business. It's just getting them to remember you. So just a couple of quick ideas. Keep in touch with your clients. Revisit those and perhaps update your references and case histories. And then you might think, who are your three favorite consultants or speakers or seminar leaders and say, hey, how can we help each other and collaborate? Now, should we see what listeners who are live would like to know. Yes, let us uh, ask the listeners to unmute themselves by again pressing star six, and we're ready for your questions. Who would like to go first? Hey, Patricia, Brian Walter here. Yes, Brian. Uh, here's a question. I'd love to tell you referenced having, you know, the precision when talking to clients and, you know, it's the muddled thinking or just the referring to it as, as if it was stuff that gets us into trouble a lot. You also mentioned about, you know, sharing examples from, you know, other clients. Do you feel that, you know, when shifting from, oh, we love you, love you, love you, consult or keynoting to consulting and you're talking with them in the moment that they respond most to precision of what it is you can do for them? or responding first to an example or story that you have with another client, and then that leads into precision as you flesh it out more. All right, well, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, for example, Dan Maddox, who is one of my best clients, the executive director of the American Payroll Association, 
when he has spoken at NSA, has always said, it is not my job to know how else I can hire you. And it's not my job to know you could come back a couple of years later with a totally different speech. So that is your job to follow up and let them know. Now, because I do a lot of executive speech coaching, in, and that's in my introduction, within a keynote speech, I might say, as you heard by my introduction, a lot of my time is spent not giving speeches, but helping other give, people give speeches. And then I'm going to give an example of a story from one of my executives. And so they all know, and it's amazing how many people have come up and said, oh, you really do coaching. So that's, that's one thing. Strategically for me, I have always offered, even if there is no money in it, and which is when times are challenging, this is a real asset. When I do a keynote, I always offer to do a breakout. No extra charge isn't a problem. For me, the biggest effort is getting there. And you're also going to be able to be a lot more casual, a little more commercial. And if you've got a product table, it's always better with a breakout session. Now, of course, my breakout sessions, I might do several, but one of them at least has to be on presentation skills. The biggest consulting contract as far and the first time Brian I really looked around and thought I'm getting my keynote fee and there are only six people in the room that came as a result of speaking at the American Payroll Association I got to keynote the the meeting of the minds for ADP which is the user conference because ADP is a big sponsor at the American Payroll Association. And not only did I do the keynote, in two days I delivered five different breakout sessions. And my reference says, not only did she keynote, she delivered five of the most popular of the 115 breakout sessions, her sessions were rated one, two, three, five, and seven, something of the most popular sessions. And one of these was I was coaching people on presentation skills, and the executive was walking around just putting his head in all the different breakout sessions. As luck would have it, the moment he walked in, I was coaching one of his salespeople on how to perfect the sales conversation with a prospective client meeting. He sat down and watched and afterwards came up and said, we need to talk to you about, being, about sales presentation skills training, of which I did extensively for several years. Again, this is someone who works with a company, calls me every couple of years, he gets a different job with ADP, and he brings me in again. So we're just talking about more training. So that is a long, long time. So the concept, Brian, is within your speech, tell a story about your other services. When you are consulting, it's very important to let them know, by the way, I know you have user conferences. Do you know I also give speeches? Even Alan Weiss, he said he's had consulting clients that didn't believe he was also a keynote speaker. So it's our job to not assume people know all our other offerings because they think of us in the role we're, we're there. And so now a lot more of my living is with the six people or the 10 people in a room than it is for 1,500. The next thing, and it's the same philosophy, so if you put it under the philosophy of show them what else you can do, what can you give them at no additional charge or extra additional charge, which goes back to our website. Two of my special reports that you can download free, you just give me your email address, 
the 12 mistakes salespeople make in their presentations and the 10 traps how to go from Delta Dynamic. Without exception, every single consulting sales presentation skills, training, coaching, consulting has come as a result of downloading the 12 mistakes salespeople make in their presentations. So this I would say if every... I just, uh, downloaded it during this call, so I guess it must be true. Okay, good. So if, if every one of us took one, whether it is the six mistakes my consulting clients make before they hire me, that would be one thing you could all do, and you've probably already got the content on your website right now. Just repackage it. Now, I give away hundreds of free articles. I only have a handful of special reports. The only difference is they're nicer looking, they are PDFs, and you have to give me your email address. That's great. Thank Any you. Any other questions? Thank you, Brian. Patricia, this is John Bryle. I'm a relative. Hello, John Bryle. I've got a question for you. You touched earlier on talking to audiences and individuals that are not uh, native English speakers. Do you have any other yes. tips or comments on, on how to interact and convey your information in a good way? Yes, because one of the questions that just came up at this conference was, how do you speak to international audiences? And I said, well, well, one, you have to realize that we have international audiences in America. For example, I one special report I have to write up, uh, I do some executive speech coaching for, for some of the Amway executives. And I was at their conference. Now, they translate in Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Chinese, and Mandarin. And what I did is I went and interviewed some of the professional translators because they have more people who are actually listening through interpreters than they are understanding in English. And for example, five P's to success don't work in other languages. Another specific, you can't talk about Bank America. You have to talk about a large American bank. You can't talk about Tom Peters. You need to talk about a, a well-known, maybe someone like Tom Peters is known worldwide, but it's best to, to make them general and describe who they are, a very popular business author then you need to use specific language. And i give you an, an exact example because one of my criticisms is that I got from one of my associates, specificity builds credibility. And at this Amway meeting, they have a, a, a little commercial, an endorsement, a case history from someone in their business. And what she said was, we're in the army. We wanted extra money. This was a perfect business opportunity for us because we have no inventory. In, in three sentences later, she said, oh, we've got tons of orders. Now, do you realize simultaneous translation is going on? These people have to think on their feet. They don't analyze. It's not like reading it and translating it into another language. They are responding immediately. So I don't know about you, but when I hear the word tons, I see big boxes, trucks backing up, dropping off, which totally contradicts we have no inventory. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you need to, and another thing the translator said was, if you are going to, we will interpret what, we, what you say. We will act out what you say. 
But if you're giving an exact quote from the Bible or from an American president or from Martin Luther King or anyone, we need to translate that exactly. So you need to plan ahead for the translators. Another, if you have an international audience, don't tell corny American jokes or, or even your favorite humorous story. It's, uh, see, they are going to get the picture, but they're not going to have the same punchlines. So you have to be aware the humor that works with an American audience isn't necessarily going to work translated into Chinese or Russian. Very good. Thank Another you very thing, much. And, and one other thing I'm going to recommend, uh, if you are going to work with translators, I learned this when I went over to speak in Taiwan. I asked Harvey McKay and Brian Tracy, who had been there, what worked. And they said, one, you need to try your, your content on a target audience to see if it really makes sense. And do it, for we speakers with personality, do it as a dance routine. So you don't necessarily, I did not do simultaneous translation. I did it as Brian Tracy recommended as the dance routine. I'd say a couple of sentences, they were translated. Say a couple of sentences, they were translated. Because on an average, it takes at least a time and a half in nearly every other language than it does in English. So whether you are doing simultaneous or not, you have to know your content well. And you have to pause well. I do naturally. But if that isn't your normal style, build it into the presentations so the interpreters can catch up. Thank you. All right. Callers, what other sure. questions do you yeah. have for Rip? Well, after your questions, let me pose one I would have thought would have been asked. But let me hear yours first. Okay. Well, I, I Patricia Lynn, Lynn speaking at this time, I had a question come in on my email. About, Good. Yes, about the challenging marketplace. And you've already mentioned about offering uh, seminars or breakout sessions in addition to your keynote to perhaps give the client a price break. But the question states, you know, that clients are pleading economic circumstances to have price breaks in consulting projects and training programs. Can I adjust my products and services to give them a lower cost? I want to yes. to what I believe is a new reality. Yes. So is the question, should we revisit our pricing? Hello? Hello? I guess we lost her. I'm still here. <laughs> oh, good. I'm still here. Okay. Oh, we're still here. We can still hear you, Patricia. All right. Well, let's pick up the question. Should we revisit our pricing? Well, if you've ever read anything from Alan Weiss about selling value and not price, what I always try and do is keep the price as, as close to what it normally is, but add more value. For example, I'll do a webinar in advance that I say, well, this is normally $2,000. We'll include this, just get people prepared for our actual in-depth training. And then I will add follow-up telephone coaching, teleseminars, all as part of the project, because one, that reinforces what you've, what you've learned. One of the questions that we that I would expect I would get, and can most of us still hear this? 
Yes. Good. Yes. So one of the questions I might have expected to pick up was, I mentioned I learned how to talk to clients a lot more effectively from, and I really give full credit to Alan Weiss. And presenting the odd couple with him, I do all the work. And I really do it to be around the room, listen to Alan, even if I've heard it dozens of times before. So I have learned that what happens as long as I've been in the business, when people call or they email and then I call them as a result of the email, my first question is always, were you referred or am I a Google search? Now, Brian, you're unmuted. You know, we've both been in the business a long time. How many times do you think people, what percentage of times do you think people have been referred compared to a Google search? Uh, massively more so referred than Google for me. Good. Well, and for everyone's going to be different. And as I say, I think this works more with consulting and coaching and training than it ever would for keynotes. And I would say 90% of the people I talk to, I'm the end of a Google search, even though I've been full-time since 1984. My next question is, may I ask, what were you Googling? And it's usually something like, uh, well, sales training. And I say, may I ask, why were you Googling for sales training? And it's usually something like, well, we just lost a sale we thought we deserved to get. I said, well, if I may ask, how much was the sale you lost? Quarter million dollars. Were how many presentations do you give every month? How many salespeople do you have? Would you keep statistics on what your closing rate when you get to the point of uh, when you get to the point of uh, giving the presentation? And even when, and the most I've ever heard is we close one out of every two presentations, we get to the point where we deliver. And my next question is, what would it be worth if you could close one and a half percent rather than, you know, one and a half out of two rather than one out of two? And, well, the answer is usually something like three and a half million dollars. Now, the secret I learned from Alan is, one, you need to let the clients know what it's costing them, what their problem is costing them. Because at the point when I talk about, when I talk about what I can do for them, and they say, this sounds very good, what would it cost? I can say with a straight face, Based on the cost of the fee, the sales you are losing, my fee is totally inconsequential. What we should be focusing on is, do you want to try this as a pilot program or do you want to roll it out countrywide? Now, eventually we're going to come out what it is or well, let me take into considering and get back to you. But, but to, so if you think... As my genius David Garfinkel, uh, my friend who's a great copywriter, says, with your copy, the 12 mistakes salespeople make, or on our website, and then again in our conversations, people talk to us because they have an itch. With our copy on our website, our sales letters we send out, or with our probing questions, we have to take that itch and make it an oozing, pussy welt. Garfinkel's words, not mine. Then the good news is we have the salve to make it better. And you do that with your questions. Now, let's switch even more into one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting. 
And I'm a great believer we are always going to get more business if we don't try too hard to close them. Now, we all have different models and we all have different type of consulting. But for example, if someone inquires and wants to have executive speech coaching or even a speaker, keynote speaker, want to get it to the next level, I won't book them. Even if they're saying, we heard about you, we want you, you work with other, other executives, I have, to talk to the, I have to talk to the executive. And this is what I say. Pretend you've already hired me, and this would work with consultants. Pretend you've already hired me. If we were locked in a room, what speech would we be working on? And I actually give them a sample of my expertise. My goal is in that half hour that even if they don't hire me, their next presentation is going to be better as a result of our conversation. But when I literally show them, I start the project for free, my closing rate is really, if it's even vaguely economically viable, and I usually try and find that out up front, I usually get the business. So my advice, and can, can you still hear Brian? Yes, absolutely. Good. So assuming if Brian can, everyone can. Otherwise, yeah. the two of us having a great conversation. <laughs> what I would recommend, and this is the technique I call, you sell by doing, you don't sell by telling. We are very good at telling about our services and our expertise. I don't. I tell, I, I show you my services. So I, I hope that's helpful. That's good. That's good. I got it. Now I would invite any other question from anyone else if they can still hear us. Chris, Carol Kears from Minneapolis. I heard you speak about years ago, and you were awesome. You're just fantastic. You've been an inspiration to me over the years. Here's Thank you. You're welcome. Give me your techniques and your approaches for webinars. How do you convert your information to a webinar form most effectively? All right, good. Well, thank you. And I believe we will all be doing more and more webinars. And I have learned how to give webinars from one of my associates who's a younger man. Well, he's about 40. Great guy. And he actually does webinars for WebEx. So uh, I've learned how to do it. And if you would like to go to frip.com and in the little, there's a little site map. If you typed in webinars, you would get a special article that's very popular that I wrote on how to give good webinars. So this would be follow up. But first of all, you have to have a lot of slides. This is not, this is not like a keynote speech or even a training. And, for example, my hour webinars on presentation skills, I have 167 slides. I listened to a, a wonderful CPAE webinar the other day, and he didn't give a webinar. He gave a teleseminar with a few slides. With the slides, you've got to keep it moving. You need very few words, one talking point. You need visuals. So you need to keep it moving. I also recommend that you, you literally script how you are going to open because it's very difficult to talk to a screen if you're not used to it. And you might even want to have one of your friends or associates <laughs> sit in so you feel that you're actually talking to someone. Then you must open two computers. You have one computer that you're driving the webinar on, and you have another computer that you can see what the audience is seeing. So you, you, you tune in as an attendee, and you tune in as the presenter. And with a webinar, 
if it in a perfect world, you're going to have 10 minutes of looping slides. Now, looping slides is a, is a presentation that loops. So it goes around and around and around. And what it can do is say is, you know, at five, 10 o'clock Pacific, it starts. Uh, dial in this number. Have you got your handout here? Here is your presenter. And it's looping. And, and so you can even promo your next webinar. You can promo promo anything else, but you have something for people to see for those who tune in early. You need lots of slides and you really need, you need the agenda. The first few slides need to be the agenda, what you're really copying. And if you're doing it with a company, they'll probably have a moderator who introduces you and tells them how to get questions. Now, personally, myself, I cannot look for questions in the side box and focus on what I'm saying. So I need a moderator or someone else who will take these questions and read them to me. Because it's one thing to drive the technology, I can't be re looking for questions. So you really do need somebody else. And they are a few of the ideas, if that's helpful. That's extremely but it's helpful. A whole, it's not like giving a speech. It's not like giving a seminar. No, no. It's very interesting to develop the relationship with the people when you're speaking to nothing. And I think the whole voice tone, voice attitude, as you were saying, you raised a very good uh, point earlier, Patricia. It's, it's that, that deliberate use of pause, even for native English speakers, the ability to absorb on an oral basis is so difficult. Um, we tend to rush, I think, when we're doing the webinars. And and I, I know for me, and I, I, I always do rehearsals with my webinars, whether it's a new company or not. I run through with some of my associates. We just run through just to make sure everything's working, and I've had to run through. And I actually print out my a lot of my slides in front of me and any comments that I want to be reminded to say, I actually write on the paper in front of me. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very helpful. Thank you. And another thing, if you're going to do a webinar, say you do a webinar at lunchtime, please do not schedule conference calls and things that take your energy. Just as you have to keep your focus and your energy for a speech or a training, a consulting assignment, you need to do it with a webinar. You, if you're doing your marketing calls or you're doing too much, it will tap in your energy. I mean, it will, it will take away your energy. You need to keep it for the other people in the webinar. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Patricia, have you ever done audio effects in your webinar? I mean, a little more Hollywood there. Uh, in my webinar, no, I, uh, I, I certainly have sound in some of my PowerPoints, but I haven't done it in my webinars. Okay. I've done, uh, and I'm sure many, if, if you are not aware, uh, the consultants of business expert webinars with Lee Saltz, S-A-L-Z, business expert webinars. This is a great company. You have to help promote them. But this is an ongoing place that has lots of webinars with other people, and that is something that all consultants should check out, business expert webinars. Any more questions? Yeah, uh, I have a question. Hi, this is this is Michael Mercer. I'm in Barrington, Illinois. Uh, Patricia, Michael. Thank, hi. Let's see. Could you just go into? I know you went to, into it a bit before. Like while giving a speech, giving a fantastic speech, what's a phrase or part of a phrase we could use to kind of introduce in the audience's mind? They really should talk to us about other things we do or consulting or such and such. We just. I want to be able to write down the phrase while you say it. Okay, good. Well, one might be, as you heard in my introduction, mm -hmm. so that means you put it as part of your intro. As you heard in my, as you heard in my introduction, okay. a good portion of my life is mm -hmm. consulting about, 
is consulting with com- with me- consulting with medium sized companies. So let's just say whether you're giving a paid speech or a free speech. And and every consultant should have a speech that they can give away free if necessary to their target audience. So just say, as you heard in my introduction, a good portion of my time is consulting with engineering firms mm-hmm. in the area of. Okay. And just last year, I got a call from the senior vice president of marketing or whoever would call you, who said, Michael, help. This is our challenge. I heard you speak at a conference and I liked your ideas about. Could you come and talk to our management team about the ABC philosophy you spoke about in your speech. That, I think, is what we need. Three weeks later, I'm on a plane to Cleveland. And we held what I would recommend you do after this conference. You get everyone together on your management team and you discuss ABCD. In other words, Michael, you're given an example. Mm-hmm. One, the subtext is, it is very normal that people hear me speak, call me. Okay, good. You see, you, it, it's, it's very subtle. You do it in the story. Mm-hmm. And you, what we have to do is teach people how they could do it on their own. So you need to get together, everyone, all the different teams, and you need to ask these three questions. Okay. Now, I don't know what your three questions would be. Mm-hmm. So... You see, you actually tell them the three questions that you would pose them. And then you see, after that, we rolled out and we did this, this, this. And if he were here, he would tell you, as a result of this, whatever your expertise is, we increased sales this much, we lowered, uh, we lowered accidents, whatever your expertise is. And so then you say to the client, so my recommendation is you take the handout and you go ask the questions of your team and you do this, this, this. And certainly if you need any help with the process, you've got my phone number, happy to help you. So this is what we have to do. We have to tell a story of how we helped a client, Mm -hmm. give them something they could actually do to implement it without us. However, there will always be a few in every audience who will say, Michael, that sounds good, but you could do it better than we could. Are you available? Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you give the, um, the example? The, the, I, I was taking notes the whole time. I was writing as fast as I could to get the format, the story, and then in effect give them an assignment. The, what you did after that, the third step, after one, giving the story, two, giving them an assignment, with your management team, discuss A, B, and C. Then you said, when I did this with the company, they got these wonderful results. results. How do you present that part without appearing to be bragging or like oh, making a sales Oh, well, you pay? just say, well, just last, just last week, mm-hmm. Greg Stivers from ADP said, Fripp, we didn't believe it possible. We, were, we brought you in to work with the sales team who said there were no leads for this price offering, and we just sold six of them. Mm-hmm. That's resulted in $6 million for our company over the next four years. Okay. Good. So you, and, and then you can say, you know, if you need a conversation, how we could help you, we'll certainly talk to you. But at the very least, you must have a meeting and discuss ABC. Okay, good. Oh, great. Thank you, But Patricia. this is the secret. This is the secret for all of us. When you talk of your successes, you have to do it in the words of your clients. 
And if you okay. want to go to FRIP.com, F-R-I-P-P.com, mm-hmm. and whether you click on sales training or keynote speaking or executive coaching or even my articles, you will see little me's come out and sell you. And these are done by Bob Chesney, who's a longtime supporter of NSA and NSA members. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Chesney, he's in uh, near the Orange County Airport. C-H-E-S-S-N-E-Y, Chesney Communications. Yeah. He's got a lot of members with their videos. Oh, yes, exactly. But you, so he, he certainly, I make some products with him in studio, and I was just there last week doing some more uh, little clips for the website. But nobody sells us as well as we sell ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I would say to everyone, use the technology. It's not expensive and it's very effective. Mm-hmm. And I have got jobs over other people because the client, one, felt they knew me better. Okay. But secondly, you know, I said, people said this, I watched your clip on executive coaching and I know I need that. Or I've had clients where I talk on the sale about saying, if you have a high ticket item, blah, blah, blah. And people have said, we don't sell a high ticket item, but we still need your help in this. Can you help us? Mm -hmm. Of course. So look at those. But on the one with keynote speeches. A little me says, and this is the format that you follow. Hiring a speaker is an awesome responsibility. You'd need the right speaker with the right message, uh, great expertise, and one who isn't going to break your budget. Is Patricia Fripp the speaker for you? I don't know. However, and this is the model that I want you to use with your own dialogue and expertise. However, if you were to ask Dan Maddox, the executive director of the American Payroll Association, he would tell you, Patricia Fripp is the most hassle-free, user-friendly speaker we've ever used, and I've been hiring speakers for 25 years. And we use her in multiple different roles. So can you see what I'm doing? I'm using the words for actually that came out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Because we can't, I can't say, if you're looking for the best speaker in the world or the best speech coach or the best sales trainer, it's me. But I can do it in the words of my clients. Okay. So if you want to watch that as a model on all over my website and just think, with my expertise, what would I say and how would I use it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, for everyone listening, if you go to Fripp.com, I, I have the sound off, but I'm there, and I can see Patricia talking. Now I understand why you have the, uh, the little video in the upper right-hand corner of the screen with you talking. Okay, good. Thank you for exactly. explaining that. And when you listen to that, I'm not talking about me. My opening line with the exec- who says executive presentations have to be boring? I wish you could have been there, sitting in the front row. So I'm actually telling a case history. Mm -hmm. I'm telling a case history of of a success. So if you watch that and just say, now, how can I do exactly the same thing with my expertise? I guarantee it'd give you an edge because people are pre-sold before they pick up the phone or they email you. One other thing I'm going to challenge everyone to do, and this is what I've just been doing based on high-priced consulting advice. Patricia... Go through and put more calls for action. So you'll notice on the home page, it's get this special report, watch her video brochure, call for your complimentary conversation. Mm-hmm. So okay. we all revisit what we're doing with fresh eyes. We look at how can we add a taste. If people don't like what we give them for free, in other words, our special reports, the case histories, they're not likely to come back and say, could you do it for me? Mm -hmm. Next strategy is make sure you have plenty of testimonials and and if you do nothing else, blog or write articles because then your expertise is out in the world for people to find it. Mm-hmm. Have more call for actions, and remember, nobody cares about us. They care about how we improve their condition. So when people call and ask you, oh, 
can you tell me about your business, Michael? Or can you tell me about your consulting? You might want to do what Fripp says and said, I'm happy to, but let's step backwards for a moment. Why don't you tell me about your business and why are you inquiring? Because I have so many varied offerings depending on my client's situation. Mm-hmm. This is, this is and, great. Somebody in my office has said um, I should put some video on my website. And I've said, yes. well, what should be on it? What should I say? They said, well, just say something. Now I know exactly what sort of things I should have, on, have in Good. video on the website. That's great. Thank you. And That's I really would put an endorsement for, for Bob Chesney. Mm-hmm. because he's really very helpful to me. I mean, he came up with two ideas for new products. We were together last week that I hadn't, you know, hadn't occurred to me. He's very helpful. Now, another thing I can tell you, Michael, I would say most of the little clips you're going to see, I write a script and I put it in the teleprompter. Because mm. okay. you're going to have less takes and you work out exactly the appropriate language and, you know, you, you look at it, and it doesn't look like I'm reading. Mm-hmm. No. The uh, video clips could be how, how, what maximum timeline, like how many minutes maximum? Well, some of mine are longer than others, but yeah, a couple of minutes. Two as minutes long maybe? as it's engaging, a couple mm-hmm. of minutes. Okay. Good. Real short. Okay, good. Thank yeah. you very much, Patricia. All right. That's great. I'm open for questions or Lynn, are you there? I don't hear Lynn, but um, you mentioned the webinars. Have you uh, done work where you are presenting uh, using uh, more high-definition video presentations? No, I have not. Do you have feelings or opinions about that? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I know with uh, Bill Johnson was just here helping me, and I just interviewed him on modern technology. And I mean, we all use little flip videos. Now, the videos you have on my website are very high quality, and they're recorded in studio. But that doesn't mean I don't have lots and lots on YouTube as well. And the thing with YouTube, you can just make them with your flip video and put them up. Uh, Bill Johnson, who... Uh, who sells um, different equipment. I just bought, you know, new recorders, new new projectors, and I'm bringing, it's a new type of flip video, but it's actually better than flip because they have, um, what are these little cards called that you have in cameras that you take out and download your photos? The uh, SD cards. SD cards. Yes. It's it's like a flip video. It's actually less than a flip video. But what you do, because I often record at my speaking schools, and you've got to, I have several flip videos, and you have to download it onto your hard drive. But with this, you can just take these little, whatever they're called, those little cards out and organize them later. So again, Bill Johnson... And it's Bill Jensen, CSP, and his website, I think, is speakertools.com. Uh, and you know, Bill was the first executive director of NSA, and he knows this business. So I don't reinvent the wheel. He's done all the research, and he has very good prices, and he'll hold your hand. Uh, so, And I'm also a great believer, let's support the people who support NSA. And while I'm giving out unsolicited endorsements. Pam Lontos is PRPR. She handles all my social media as well as getting articles placed and she's very reasonable and a big supporter of NSA. Patricia, this is Lynn. Are you able to hear me? Sure. Oh, great, because while you were asking where I was, my mute button and the buttons on my phone were fighting with each other. So I well, but I it's back. quite all right. We have managed very well without you, seeing we unmuted everybody else. Well, actually, I I thought maybe I could have some people ask some questions, and we take up more of your time. But I I do want to say on behalf of the consultants, Peg, that I knew I expected, and you promised that this would be content rich, 
and that you gave us more than than what we had hoped. And I do want to thank you on behalf of the PEG. I I also want to tell the, the listeners that uh, your website, www.frip.com, is where we can go to get more information. And we've already said that, so uh, I would like to mention that again. Uh, thank you once again from the from the consultants Peg and Patricia. Any last statement, very quickly, quickly that you would like to tell us as we prepare to sign off? Well, yes, and please, uh, please look through the website just as a model. It, it, it certainly works for me, and as I say, I, I paid a lot of, of good advice, to, mm-hmm. and, and it is my best marketing tool. I would just say, as I say to my audiences, please remember FRIP, because when I finish one assignment, I'm unemployed until I create the, another. However, much more important than remembering who I am, remember what my name stands for. Frequently reinforce ideas that are productive and profitable. And I would be very flattered if any of my ideas are helpful to the really smart consultants in the consultant peg. Brilliant. Thank you so much again. And thank you callers for signing on and joining us this afternoon. Our next consultant's peg will be in May. We'll send you an announcement where we will hear Word Pro Barbara McNichol share the top ten techniques to improve everything you write. So you'll come across like a pro in print. There are two P's together again. So thank you once again. I wish everyone a good afternoon or a good evening, and my thanks to you, Fripp, for your time today. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Patricia. It's a great. Thank you for listening to this edition of the NSA PEGCAST series. If you would like to know more about NSA and our various professional expert groups, go to www.nsaspeaker.org. That's nsaspeaker.org. This is Dick Brusso, your host for the NSA PEGCAST. On behalf of NSA, the voice of the speaking profession, we look forward to having you join us next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.